0: Welcome to Opposable Thumbs. Opposable Thumbs is a podcast where Taylor and Rob tackle a new creative challenge every two weeks and talk about our accomplishments, failures, and lessons learned. Vulnerability is our challenge this episode. Thanks to our previous guest, Antonio Martinez, for that challenge. And Brian Bamaña is our guest this episode. My name is Rob Ray. I use the he, his gender pronoun. I'm a designer by day and an artist by night and make music and objects using the shimmering trash pile pseudonym.
1: I'm Taylor Hokinson. I'm an artist, educator, DIY enthusiast, CAD CAM evangelist, noted tall person, Midwestern Viking, and I'm a he-his kind of guy.
2: My name is Mamanya Brian. I'm from Uganda. I don't take it for granted or assume that everyone knows where Uganda mm-hmm. is. Uh, it's a country almost in the middle of uh, Africa, but uh, somehow it, it was categorized as being part of East Africa, which I don't know, maybe... That's what someone decided. Uganda is like the source of the Nile, the River Nile. It uh, originates from our country and cuts across all of Africa, then up to Egypt. Yeah, so at least people know the River Nile, even if they don't know Uganda. What do I do? I studied, uh, I studied computer science at university, but uh, I was not able to practice. maybe I was not patient enough to like wait for like the kind of job I wanted I tried to do I mean like internships here and there but nothing was really coming through for me so I went back to what I loved doing and uh, uh I put up a studio and uh, started working with uh, live sound and eventually I went into diy stuff and all all that stuff so i make a living by uh as a sound engineer mm-hmm. i do sound for events for parties and bands and all that stuff two questions for you
0: one is very easy do you live um close to lake victoria
2: yeah it's very close um it could be about um maybe 20 kilometers from where i stay oh yeah not cool. more than 20 kilometers cuz yeah. Uh our capital city, Kampala, is it's right by the water. Uh, right. Some parts of of, of of the city extend to to the shores of Lake Victoria.
0: Yeah, it's a huge lake. I had no idea how how big it was and I started looking on the map and I was like, Oh my gosh, like that's <laughs> it's giant and it's ah. beautiful. So I was curious <laughs> about if you got to see it every day or if you had to drive to go see it or
2: not. Nah, no, not a, not every day really. It's like On the side of the city, and um, we our water transport is not so much developed. So it's not like we, unless maybe for recreational purposes, that's when we go to the lake. But it's not that gets a lot of opportunity to cross and go on boats and all that.
0: I see. see. Yeah, cool. It's really, it's really beautiful. I just was looking at images on Google, and I was like, oh my gosh, this thing is huge. So, (laughs) I, I can really relate to. You're studying computer science, but then also being interested in sound and music. You have a an instrument. I think of it as an instrument called Afro Rack. Yeah, yeah. It's huge, (laughs) Um, modular (laughs) synth synth that you made. Yeah. And I recently saw a performance of yours where you had um, some other uh, instruments as well. With it, I was just curious, I guess, maybe about how you found electronic music and did you find it through an electrical engineering path or were you interested in
2: music? Ever since I was young, really, I've always uh, had a love for music. I come from a family of uh, five five kids, um, but none of them was really interested in music and I'm the last in that family. So, but growing up, I remember that I used to be attracted to certain things in music. You know, mm-hmm. by then we we had one one TV station in Uganda, and it was the state owned by the government, and it it, it was called UTV Uganda Television. Okay, but uh, it late later rebranded to uh, UBC Uganda Broadcasting Corporation. So, um. Being the only television, it, it was the only way we had, like, to access, uh, music and entertainment and all that. And, and they used to run, you know, uh, all these music programs from Germany. I think there was a collaboration between broadcasters in Germany and Uganda. And, um, so we used to watch Disco Rally and uh, a lot of German programs. Yeah. And, uh, of course, also American music. And it was basically the, entertainment like grew up on uh here uh and of course like the local stuff but i remember there's a particular song which like made me really curious because i loved the sounds of the songs i didn't know what it was but i knew i loved something about it and that is uh Bran adam's song please forgive me uh so there's like a a very catchy guitar solo in that song you know so, I don't know, like, there's something about that solo. I just loved, I fell in love with the sound of the guitar, and I didn't even know it was a guitar by then, you know? But um on the side, I was always also keenly interested in, like, electronics, you know? Like, uh, I think mm-hmm. I picked it up mm-hmm. from my elder brother. Yeah, from a young age, he used to, like, open up, re- yeah, he used to, like, open up radios and, you know, gadgets and you know, try to fix stuff even if it's not broken, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, just like everyone, everyone ends up in DIY. That's right. So um, uh, I I picked it for, up from my brother, though eventually for him, I think it was just uh-huh. a passing phase out of his life. But uh, it, it became like, I became so curious about gadgets. And, and at that time, you know, I had this interest in music, and also on the side, like a separate thing. That was my also interest in like uh, gadgets and electronics and all that. So I started opening up stuff and, you know, being keen. Of course, I didn't know how everything works. I tried to work on small circuits and, you know, once in a while something would work. Another time it wouldn't work and mm-hmm. you didn't know why it's not working, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, in my early life, that is like my primary school which i think you guys call elementary school after i was done with my elementary education primary education then my dad was working in the capital so he took me to go and pursue my high school in like uh, kampala the capital city when i came to high school then i mean i was in a good school uh, by our standards it was a really big school well facilitated you know a computer lab with internet And uh, a library with very, I mean, very nice books, you know. So, like, every time I go to the library, I would be in that section of books where no one else is, like, going. Because most people would go to the library, they're reading newspapers, they're reading, you know, magazines and stuff like that. And uh, I'd be reading, like, the encyclopedia, you know, those big uh, Britannica, all of that stuff. And I'd be in the sections for, you know electronics and physics and, you know, science-related things. And I remember one time she even... uh, My dad, I didn't know she had talked with my dad, but she, like, told my dad that, you know, Brian is... He's never reading, like, stuff for his... I don't know how she, did, like, noticed. Maybe she was eavesdropping or like, checking out what I was reading. But, uh-huh. uh, yeah, but she was like, I've never found this guy reading anything relevant to what he's studying in class, you know? <laughs> and that is what my dad told Sold me. Sold uh, Yeah, I, I think I discovered
1: uh, more interesting stuff than what we're really studying in class. Yeah. Yeah, so.
0: I, I have that same problem
1: can each of you think of the most uh, expensive or complicated piece of electronics that you broke while trying to fix it when it didn't need to be fixed? It was a car. Nice. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what, what did you do? <laughs>
0: I, I hooked up the battery backwards. Yeah. Well done. And and it just fried the, like oh. so much of the car. Like it was, it should have gone to ground and shorted or something, but mm like all of a sudden cables were just melting Wow! it really went bad and yeah. i guess once that successful. starts
1: happening you can't you can't exactly like reach in there and take the the cable off or anything right yeah nah. yeah you just gotta watch yeah. it so did you you just totally yeah, killed the just, car and that was the end of it
0: yeah it just melted all the wow. the um <laughs> plastic off the wires
1: <laughs> Ryan, how about you
2: Lots of things. I can't, yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> anything in particular, but I'm sure if, if you ask my parents, they would give you a list. TV sets <laughs> and, you know, radios and
1: fans, electric fans. You know, an electric fan's a classic one to wipe out. I, I'm trying to think. I don't think I've got like a really good... I think the weirdest thing that I hacked on was uh, the old um, ATM machines, like outside of a bank, where you would put the... Um, the little canister with a check inside, and then it would run around in the pneumatic system. And so I walked by a bank that was closing, and they were just throwing them out because they were... um, It's not like you could do anything with them in the secondary market, so I just asked if I could have them. And then I worked with the guy where I went to university to make them into air cannons, but we never... We never really went beyond that, so I, I know it's not as good. R- Rob, you've got kind of you win, I think the uh, <laughs> the biggest ha- hacking mistake challenge, but um, that was the weirdest thing I think I got a hold of. And and Rob, how old were you when that happened?
0: Mm, I was I was in my twenties. No, early twenty one no, or twenty nine. No. This is a this is a crucial. Yeah, 20, tw- 21. <laughs> yeah. around that. No, younger younger than young, maybe 20, yeah. 19, something like that.
1: Yeah. And then were were, were you? did they take all your tools away or what happened after that?
0: No, I just, I, I just, of course, you know, you're like, Oh, I can, I can fix my car. I can fix any, you know, I can fix anything if I just try. (laughs) yeah. (laughs) And then, and then everything started melting. I smelled something weird and I was like, what's going on? And then it was like, and then it started to really smoke. Yeah. It was bad.
1: So, so Brian, uh, regarding the uh, question I had for you earlier about some of the writing that you've done uh, in terms of the forward trajectory of the African continent, and then I imagine you Uganda yeah. specifically. Yes. I think I remember, although I'm having trouble finding this specific link, that you were pairing together the idea of DIY as maybe one way forward. Because um, I think I also read that there were just so few... Euro rack dealers across the African continent. That part of your interest was addressing what you thought was something that you thought was lacking uh, in your uh, neck of the woods. But I'm curious. Do you see DIY as like a a cultural phenomena that can address you know social problems, or is it more something that's just fun?
2: You know what? Uh, it's uh, for me. It started like something as doing as a hobby and. You know, I'm keen about it and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm spending time learning this and that. But, um, especially when I went to, okay, when I, when I started doing electronics and building stuff, I didn't, uh, as I've told you, my first, uh, interest in music eventually led to me playing a guitar. Mm-hmm. So I started making gadgets which are related to guitars like pedals and like, um, overdrives and, and that stuff the simple stuff and uh, guitar amps eventually then. But um, this was, you know, like if you make a guitar amp, you make a project and it's done, mm-hmm. you know, you're not going to add something onto a guitar amp. It's, it's a complete thing, you know? Right. Right. So uh, f- from that, I that's when I transitioned into modular synthesizers. And uh, I mean, like, just it's a different field altogether from something like a guitar, you know. The nature of the instrument itself being modular you can patch I mean always build onto it or always like remove what you don't like. It's it grows, it becomes smaller, depending I mean on I mean the mode and what you what you're thinking uh, what you're thinking and trying to achieve in uh, in the moment. So uh at the start it was yeah, let me you know, do this thing at home and try to figure out what it, what it's all about. But I started like posting a few things here and there on Facebook and people begin you know, to be like, what is that that you're trying to do? You know, we see you creating like interesting sounds and all that. So I told them, ah, it's, it's just a hobby I have, you know, it's, it's what I do in my spare time and all. But, um, I started learning more about the whole modular synthesizers, and it was quite fascinating, really. uh, What they're able to do, what they're able to as as musical instruments, as um, the science behind them, and everything. But the more I read, and the more I discovered about this, I was like, "How comes I don't know any, you know, African uh, African artists who are using modular synthesizers in their music?" Mm You know, so it kind of, like, really bothered me. That's when I started reading about, uh, I mean, looking for information uh, on Eurorack modules and all the commercial stuff which they're selling. And then um, I discovered that in the whole of Africa, actually, there are just a couple of shops which are in South Africa uh, because I think, I mean, you know, the kind of connection South Africa has to Europe and all that. They have a big European population there. I mean, so they can easily get into what the rest of the world is in, yeah, If it, I mean, even if it's, like, mm, musicians who are touring internationally, when they come to Africa, I mean, they'll stop in South Africa and maybe, uh, okay, mainly South Africa, like, mm-hmm. you know, so South Africa is pretty much connected to what's happening in the Western world, in Europe and, and the USA and all that. Yeah, so I, 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 I started thinking about it and I thought, you know, we, we as Africans, we are discriminated in a way mm. by, by the system. I don't know if you, if you understand what I mean. Is Sure. There's like this whole world out there and it's not, li- it's not limited to like the modular system, you know. There's so many other stuff. It's just that, uh, I happen to be interested in modular stuff, but there's so many other stuff. A lot of stuff which is happening in the rest of the world and it's not not happening in Africa you know not because Africans wouldn't be interested in being part of it or what but access to resources access to the information and all that so when I got into modular it stopped being um something I was doing as a hobby and I said uh, you know what I'm going to try and push this thing and see if it can become like a community and people become aware because I mean, there's so many opportunities. Like I myself have, um I had a chance to to to, to perform in Morocco uh, last month, you know, and there are so many other artists I've been reading about and all that. Who are always touring and are playing with modular synthesizers and all that. So the fact that it has opened doors for me to get to meet guys like you and all that, then it means that if people were actually having information and having access to those tools, then they'll be accessing, uh, opportunities that are going to improve their lives, you know, in one way or another, in terms of networking, finding new people, getting opportunities to travel and, 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 and exposure, you know. I think when you grow up in a society which is, which has a lot of privilege, mm-hmm. uh, like a lot of the Western world, mm-hmm. you know, there are certain things you cannot understand about, uh, someone who lives in, uh, in in, in, a, in a country like uh, like Uganda or Rwanda or Kenya, all all these things, you know, because maybe you see a few stories here in the news and all that. But like, think about it, you know, modular synthesizers are known in every part of the world. But Africa, a continent of like one billion people, it's just a few, one, two, three, maybe a few, maybe a thousand. Let's say, let's even if it was a. a, a an exaggerated estimate, let's say a thousand people, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe a thousand people who are partaking in this scene, you know. So it shows that something is not right. And I'm not entirely blaming like the Western world or anything, but it's something that a person like me can easily see. And I'm like, uh, something needs to change here, you know. So that's my DIY, um, getting into DIY and all that. It kind of opened my eyes. Uh, started as a hobby, but eventually I was like, oh, I could use it to, you know, to to, to improve my life, first of all, to get access to opportunities. Then get access to, I mean, like, uh, to talk about things like this, you know? Like, um, as long as you don't have the right information, the right tools, there's no way you're going to participate in uh, opportunities that are available to everyone else.
1: Sure.
0: Yeah, I agree, yeah. Should we start looking at Taylor's project?
3: Sure. Yeah, cool. Sure, sure.
1: Take a look at the image, and then there's also a um, a one-minute video.
0: Brian, do you think that's like a 3D printer software? It's a 3D CAD... CAD kind of program.
2: Um, yeah, it's kind of like a computer design program or something. Uh.
0: It says there's some an icon that says material estimate, which less than one-third large spool, which makes me think that it's a 3D printer spool that's going to be running. This software is cool. It tells you how long the print is going to take, which 3D printers take a very long time, so that's really cool. But Brian, do you know, does that look familiar to you, what's in the box in the image? No. It doesn't for me either, yeah.
3: yeah. <laughs> and, uh...
0: Cool, I have no idea what that is that he's about to print, but it looks square. <laughs> and then we should watch the uh, video, Taylor?
1: Yeah, go ahead and try it.
0: So Brian, often what, what we do, because we're we're never in the same place, Taylor and I and our guest, is we'll click play at the same time yeah. on the video so that way we can watch it together but on our separate computers and I can hit play whenever you're ready Yeah. alright so Brian I'm seeing what looks to be an, an old timey film Shien Andalou it's a black and white film
3: Whoa <laughs> okay
0: Do you I saw it looks like there was a there was a man with a gun and he was fighting a giant ant
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it could have been an ant movie from like the nineteen thirties or something. Yeah, yeah. the thirties, exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 Sci fi. Sci fi of that day maybe. I don't know.
0: <laughs> Our challenge is vulnerability. So I'm trying to think about yeah. it could be uh, oh well it could be that Taylor has an ant problem. Like he has lots of ants in his house uh. in his house,
1: maybe? Yeah, you got it, man. Good uh. job. <laughs> 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 yeah.
2: <laughs> so, where, where where did you get the footage from?
1: So, my background's in art and art history. Um, so, this is this uh, classic uh, surrealist movie by Buñuel. Um, the most famous thing about it is a uh, a part where they there's a man holding a woman's head, and then when they cut in closer, the woman has been substituted with some kind of pack animal like a cow or something but you it's so fast you can't really tell and then they cut the eyeball of the cow and so this is like a really famous surrealist movie Ooh. but it's i'm gonna pronounce it wrong uh, maybe one of you has better french pronunciation than me but it's it's supposed to be andalou with a d and so my my little trick was to make it antelou with a t <laughs> but the <laughs>
2: Uh, ah yeah, so, yeah yeah so so another famous <laughs>
1: part of the movie is there's a guy looking at his hand and there's a hole in his hand with ants crawling out of it, um so I made a um
3: yeah basically
1: a something I could install in my house because my ants come in through a, a light switch plate and um oh. there's like no way to seal it without just completely rendering the light switches inoperable, um so there's like a This material you can get that ants eat, it's really sweet, right? And they take it back to their nests and share it and and then all die, hopefully. But um, you have to put it somewhere and they just totally mob it. And I have this in my kitchen. I didn't want a little jar of poison on the counter in the kitchen. So I made a light switch cover that has its own little trough for ant poison so that they stay as close to the hole as possible. And then I just made a weird movie. (laughs) poison ah. um, yeah so they could they could just eat it right there
3: uh, okay yeah. okay <laughs> okay
0: <laughs> so it, there's a little trough uh,
1: yeah the, yeah
0: un, under where the lights light switches go awesome taylor what what 3d printing sop- software is that
1: that's just the makerbot software um oh, whatever the modern cool. incantation of that is actually it's pretty useful at this point yeah it's cool find it. that's cool all right, so should we take a look yeah. at a, Brian, should we take a look at your work?
3: Yeah
2: When I thought about vulner- vulnerability i I looked it up to get like a definition, and one of the definitions I got was um inability of a system to withstand effects of a hostile environment. Mm-hmm. And actually, it was a bit hard for me to like come up with something. And but once I saw systems involved systems and all that, I tried to create something on my modular system because I hooked it up to the audio, Ooh. so I could describe like like what I'm doing and uh, and all
1: that. That sounds great. Oh, perfect. So so you could you could play some of it live?
2: Yeah, yeah. Like at least my idea. So. Uh, like sometimes, you know, like electronics, um, if, for example, like phones and, uh, uh, generally electronics anyway, it is made, it has to be made to withstand, um, uh, like certain environments, maybe interference, radio interference and, you know, stuff like that. I mean, I think it, it does, it has to be even, um, a test which they do, because they normally see F- FAA or something. I don't know those uh, standards which, which, uh, are like set by regulators in the US and I mean many of those countries. Oh, yeah. So it has to meet a certain, you know, uh, standard or criteria for it to be, you know, allowed on the market, you know. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll like describe what yeah, I'm doing. Great. Uh, on my, on, on my modular, I, I hooked up, uh, Light dependent resistor. Okay. Like a light dependent resistor is, uh, once you shine a light on it, then the resistance changes, you know? So then I hooked that, that up to an oscillator, then I hooked that also up to, um, to, to, to the filter. So I was trying to make my system vulnerable to light. Aha. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I hope you get it. So like, um, I have the, 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 the light dependent sensor. So every time, like, I shine light on it, then it creates all, all these, um, different changes in the sound and all that. And it makes the system val- vulnerable to light, you know? So let, let me try to demonstrate what that sounds like.
1: Yeah, perfect. That sounds great.
2: Uh,
3: <laughs> yeah, sure. Yes. Can you all hear yeah, something? We go. Oh, yeah.
2: I hope it's not so loud for you. Guys. Oh, it's perfect. Sounds great. Mm-hmm. I
1: can hear it very well. So, are right now? Are you moving your um, hand or something relative to the sensor? As to
2: no, no, no. Uh, I've not moved it. If I move it, you'll start hearing. Like, oh, oh, I see. This,
1: what's happening? Oh, right. That's just the oscillator. Yeah. First.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm like shining a, a, a light onto like the sensor which makes the whole system vulnerable
3: to like the light oh uh, yeah <laughs> yeah so <laughs> the challenge made me
2: come up with like one more thing to I mean to add on my modular yeah That's great. Yeah, I'm actually liking it. I think I'll find time to experiment with it and see if it comes up with more interesting stuff. Then, um, like when I thought about vulnerability, I thought in terms of, um, like the first example I've given you, then I have like a second example. For example... um, like I said, uh, electronic equipment is um, is normally uh, manufactured so that it's not vulnerable to certain things like um, radio waves and all that, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. laptops and all. So I, I, ha- I have a sensor. I'm going to put it next to my laptop and my phone, then so that you, uh, we can hear like the kind of noises which are which live inside those machines oh. but which you never get sure. to hear. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, so. i don't know if you guys can hear something Mm
1: -hmm. yeah i can hear it
2: like it's it's a noise yeah but now i'm going to bring the sensor like close to the laptop then you'll hear some certain noises
0: Cool. That's just your phone being on, right?
2: Yeah, the phone, then the laptop, which uh, we're using to communicate. Yeah, so I'm, um, like, trying to make those systems vulnerable to uh, noise, so that we hear the kind of uh, how they react and all that. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. So that's kind of abstract. I, I I hope it made sense in one way or the other. <laughs> you
0: described this really well, like, about making the system vulnerable, like ma- or, like, introducing... The unexpected or the unwanted signal into this into the sound, mm-hmm. which is really so many m- musicians and instrument builders work so hard to keep those sounds from coming in, and you're like yeah, reintroducing yeah. them in.
1: Yeah, I'm wondering. Do you think? Uh, my understanding is one of the things that defines your take on electronic music is the really performative aspect, where you're doing it live. And I wonder. Yeah. Um, does this give you any ideas about light sources and how you might introduce those as a as a live performance tool?
3: Yeah,
2: yeah, I've uh, I've, I've been having so many ideas, but you know what limits is always time and resources, you know. Of course, but yes. um, I I always note them down. I'm trying to I'm still like a really young artist. I'm trying to experiment with a lot of things and try to come up with some you know creative stuff because. Uh DIY electronics and all that—it's it's good. It's a hobby. It's something that you can do in your pastime and all that. But I think it also makes a lot of sense when you actually when you start making things that people relate with, uh-huh. you know, mm-hmm. because most people you tell them, "Yeah, I'm making modular synthesizers." They're like, "Yeah, you're doing cool stuff," but they are not. They don't know what it's about. They don't know. They can't relate to it. But if you make music and they are able to dance to that music or enjoy mm-hmm. that music. Then now it becomes something they can relate with, you know. So, yeah, I'm I'm definitely experimenting. I want to use all kinds of interfaces, light, uh, motion, and everything. And uh, as as I progress, of course, I'll 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 know how to fit all of this into into like the performance. Yeah, yeah, it gets me yeah, thinking about
1: all the different. Light sources. I could try like dancing around with a candle or something. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like there's a, there's a lot of options there. Yeah, it'd be fun. That's cool. Sure. Yeah, Rob, should we take a look at yours? Yeah. So maybe
3: I'll start, Brian, and
1: then we can uh, tag team. Um, so the first is just a black image, has like that maybe sixteen nine aspect ratio or something with the pink word vulnerability on it. Yep. Keeping it simple. Yeah. <laughs> 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 okay. Brian, what else do you see in there?
2: Uh, I've seen uh, something like a poem or something, like a statement.
1: Things Rob feels bad about, things he's not good at, and so on. Yeah. So so rubs con- connecting the things he feels bad about to being uncool to someone and then further not communicating well. So he's worried about that. But he's also worried about wasting time, getting distracted and so forth. Yeah. Brian, are you relating to any of those things you're reading?
2: Yeah, it was just, you know, yesterday that uh was watching a YouTube uh, channel of some guy who you know those very geeky guys and very intelligent and who reverse engineer like chips you know he gets like oh. chips uh integrated uh-huh. circuits and um from from the 80s and the 90s and you know he uses acid to etch them and you know remove like
1: a, wow the dye yeah inside. decapping i think it's called right yeah decapping mm-hmm. yeah
2: and he creates the circuit from the microscope yeah. you know he reads, like, the layers and all that and, and creates a schematic out of it. I was like, wow, you know, and I've been here lazy just to pro- practice my programming, you know. <laughs> and there are guys like that. <laughs>
1: yeah, the, the internet is really good at making us feel bad about ourselves, for sure. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it makes us feel dumb, for sure.
2: <laughs> yeah, but it, it's, it's, it's also good to know that, that people are putting in the time to really master what yeah Master some of these things,
1: yeah, so it looks like Rob's looking at that um topic as well. things that take a long time and rigorous investment to master over whether days or decades, and then he goes on to talking about um the big stuff, the important stuff like arts and sciences through one lens, but then also languages, electronics, things like that. ooh. <laughs> All right, so Rev, it looks like you're targeting in on JavaScript as something you're particularly uh, concerned <laughs> you, that you feel bad about. Oh, Rob, you've lost confidence in your JavaScript. What happened? I have. <laughs> oh, 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 the educator in me is so excited. <laughs> Yeah, Brian, would you describe what you're seeing? I don't want to t- take all of the uh, airtime here.
3: I
2: need to start fucking I need to start fucking on projects. I think that's yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's we can
1: all relate to, that for sure.
2: <laughs> that's the most sure way to learn actually. Sometimes we make excuses. I can't learn this, it's that and all that until I I I could um, give you like a scenario which happened to me, oh, please. you know. Great. Yeah. Like when as Yeah, when I was done with university, um, I didn't have anything I was doing at the time, you know, because I tried to, like, get into employment, and I tried to do internships here and there, but it wasn't working. It wasn't translating into, like, a full-time job and all. So, I have a friend of mine uh, who was working with uh, an insurance company in uh, Uganda. So, I sent him a text message. I told him, by the way... I. Did computer science, I can be able to program. I could even also design websites, websites and all that. I didn't think much through it and all until like two weeks later, the guy is like, "I have a deal for you, you know. I have a friend of mine. He has this company. They want a website, so make an appointment with him and come and present to them what what you're able to, you know, like what you're able to offer, like do for them, but." to tell you the honest truth, I'd never done a website. Like, I'd never done a website up to that moment. <laughs> so, uh, of course, I had all these excuses of, yeah, maybe one day I'll sit down and try try to learn CSS and HTML and all those things, JavaScript and all. But because I mean, I needed the money, I needed the the work, you know, I went and read about what WordPress and you know and that is a project I learned on how to design websites you know and eventually I presented the project to the company they liked it and I moved on with my life awesome. but uh, it, it was it was quite interesting what I was able to learn in such a short time because I was had committed myself to doing something yeah. you know so I I like that yeah <laughs> I like <laughs> I like that last point of project you know
0: Taylor, is there one for you that...
1: Well, I think, uh, Rob, on a meta level, I think often you you conceptualize frameworks for something that you want to do or should do. And so mm-hmm. on this one, the teacher in me is going to give you a boot and and say, like because you know like presenting the thing where the weeks are all blank it's like well you gotta Mm -hmm. you gotta do it dude (laughs) so are you are you going to do this is is this yeah is this the timeline that you're gonna stick to is my question like like what's gonna happen week one that's that's tomorrow or wait or wait that's today
0: (laughs) it's today so so this is my question for both of you yes which is... What to put in there. Which right. is, right. Yes, which is week week one. Yeah. If you're going to learn a new programming language and you have one week, uh, what is one thing I should do
1: uh, first? Great question. See, Brian, he turned it back on us, that cheater. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: should I, should I f- tackle a small project?
1: Wait, do you know any should JavaScript I... or no JavaScript?
0: Hmm it's not it's not great like i have to always look up the syntax because i haven't been rigorous about mm-hmm. memorizing it like yeah. you know it's and i have a very hacky approach which is like fine in some ways where you're like oh i'll take this thing and i'll modify it but um i don't i'm not good at like i learn through error messages you know which is just like oh it's broken it's broken it's broken it works <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> so um Maybe, maybe Taylor, I I just mapped out my first week for myself, which is start start maybe with a blank text file instead of starting with an example or something.
2: Okay, I I think I can relate to what you're saying because um like uh, with, with what I'm doing and some of like the kind of stuff I love to do, with my module and everything is kind of, like expand on it with uh, apart from like modular synthesizers, do creative stuff with like motors you know, and other moving things and other things which are not exactly in the realm of um, uh, modular synthesizers, but which can hook up to the same system and you make, you know, interesting, maybe visuals or mechanical things which make music and all that. And uh, of course, one of the best platforms to do that is like the Arduino and all. So it also kind of made me lazy. I was like, ah, I can always look up code someone has done and modify it here and there, you know. And uh, I've been able to make a couple of Things by modifying someone else's code, you know. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I don't know exactly. I don't know exactly what it is doing. You know, yep. the thing works, yep. but I can't explain. You know, because I I didn't make it. You know, but there's that guy who learned the guy who wrote the program from scratch and exactly knew what it was doing. So maybe we all need to put in the time and learn what we need to learn to become that guy.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, Basics. I mean, uh, Rob, mm-hmm. what do you want to do with JavaScript? Why do you want to know it?
0: One thing I think is I feel like JavaScript is, like, eating the internet. Like, mm-hmm. like it's just becoming something that's everywhere. Yeah. Um, and I'm fairly proficient in Python. Like, I can definitely get my way through, and I feel pretty good about that. But my, my life in the past few years has just been way more focused on the design side and, like, user interfaces and stuff. Mm-hmm. JavaScript and HTML, but especially JavaScript really even at this point, is so important to... Web UI and software user interfaces—that um, that feels important. And then also, I like experimenting with sound and Max MSP, which um, Brian, you might have d- done some work with, is a cool like sound programming environment. And they have a JavaScript interface now. Um, so there's just like a lot of things where it keeps coming up that feels like fun to explore, but I haven't started yet.
1: Okay, so my here's my homework assignment for you. So I've been okay. playing around a little bit. I just updated my website using a a WordPress theme and there were some yes. behaviors on the site that I wasn't crazy about and so I needed to get a JavaScript <laughs> over like I didn't want to edit the theme. I just wanted to have a secondary JavaScript file that would come through and make little changes after the fact on certain pages. Um okay. so one thing that you could do would be either either to work on a page that where you're hosting it you know, so that you can embed the JavaScript directly. I'm assuming there's also ways to have JavaScript work as an overlay on top of an existing page, like google.com or whatever. So you could use the inspect tab elements, or rather the inspect tab process, I'm sorry, inspect source, and identify little areas of a site, and then make little JavaScript widgets that um, modify those areas of the site. That's the place that I would start.
0: Cool, that's a good one. Brian, do you have a... Assignment for me.
2: <laughs> I mean, just follow through. It seems like you already have a framework of what exactly you need to do. So it it seems it's something you've really put your your effort in, and uh, something you you want to put your time into. So just follow through, because I mean, I cool. <laughs> Like you, you're so organized. I, you already have a list of what you're going to do. I mean, like what the steps you're going to take just follow through yeah. just follow through
1: <laughs> I think Brian's getting at this classic thing too like they tell they some people think if you want to lose weight that you should tell all your friends so that you know so that you feel guilty <laughs> if you don't do it but I I kind of <laughs> subscribe to the opposite thing which yeah, is yeah, yeah. if you say I'm going to do this saying it out loud feels good like saying it scratches the itch and then you yeah. might not even do it so what my homework is, you know, to to piggyback on what Brian's saying, is make sure that you're getting some kind of deliverable. That's where all of these things get filled in. You know what I mean? Like, don't don't yes. let the crafting of the plan satisfy you in any way.
0: How about this? In, in how about this? In January, we'll have another quick, okay. very quick Skype call, and I'll I'll let you both know how I'm, yeah, how I'm doing. That Sounds
2: good to me. <laughs> yeah. It kind of reminds me how 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 things are done back here by like the government officials and all that. You know, was like every day you go to the big hotels. There's a conference on this. There's a, yep. uh, an activity on this. Then there's a, a report on this and all that. And at the end of the day, there's nothing that is done. But every day there's you know there's a meeting. There's, <laughs> you know, there's all these people. Pep, you know, paperwork. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, like, uh, our, our 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 politicians, yeah, they have, like, lead cars, escorts, and, you know, they're always rushing to a meeting, you know. So one person posted recently on social media, and he's like, why the rush? These guys are always in a rush, but we never see anything they're achieving. Yep. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we need to, yeah, we need to follow through the paperwork. <laughs> L- let me ask you guys, do do. Do both do both of you have like a a history in programming? Is it something you studied, or
1: I so I went to graduate school in 2002 to 2004, and there was a um, so this was art school, mm. and I I don't have any sciences degrees, but there was one class taught by this artist Sean Decker that was about using microcontrollers to control little motors and things like that. Um, so it was before Arduino mm. and all of that community. And I think it was just all written in C plus plus or something. And I remember I found the, I found the class mm. so hard that after the, I would take the class, my head would feel hot, like it would be at a higher temperature. <laughs> yeah. And, and I would, and I was just, <laughs> I would work so hard and get so little result. And I just knew it was important and interesting. So I took the class twice and the second time, like, just started to get it. But I, so I, I kind of learned it all in non-computer science contexts. And um and that's why I was so happy when finally the open source community kind of came out and made it easier to learn that stuff. Rob, what about you? What's your background?
0: I wanted to go to school for art, but my parents weren't into that. Yeah. <laughs> and so I switched uh, to do computer science. And I hated it. Like, yeah. And I I yeah, I hated it because like I had grown up with a like a PC computer mm. since I was really really young. My my dad, being a curious yeah. and smart person, got his hands on a computer from work, and so he he got into that and then so then finally we, we got one as a family. And um and I loved it. Like I was just on it all the time and like a super computer nerd kid. And then I went to s- school. To college and you know i had grown up on like a pc with like windows and dos and all that kind of stuff and um and the first intro to computer science class in my school was taught with using a scheme which is like a lisp language mm. uh which is a very arcane yeah. extremely math heavy language and they, as they described it like the reason they picked that language is because nobody knew it
1: <laughs> <laughs> so you couldn't cheat <laughs>
0: so yeah so like no one would have a, uh, an advantage and it's like
1: a terrible idea yes, but
0: you're, yeah, you're teaching something that no one knows right. like you're like <laughs> and it's extremely math heavy so it, it really came from that school that sort of expects uh, you to be thinking about computers as mathematical instruments mm. you know Mm. Um, and I cried every day. Like I was just, every assignment was so hard and I had, I had no way to look at the information except like look for other sources of information except the book, you know? So it was, and then I did, so I did horribly. Like I just failed every, every assignment and then I got my, my, you know, grade and I got a C And I was like, really? Like, this is is what they do? (laughs) Is everybody does that bad? (laughs) (laughs) And then you get a C. And I was like, I don't, this is horrible. Like, I don't want to do this. Like, Uh, it was so bad. So, yeah. So, programming and I have had, literally since I was a teenager, I've had a hard relationship to programming. Yeah. Brian, do you have any links that you want to share or anything for anybody for, to check out your work or other things that you like, other musicians that you like?
2: That's my blog. Okay. Because I've always been interested in, uh, like, blogging and all that. But I'm lazy. Sometimes I'm, like, so critical of my work. I'm like, ah, this is not good enough. This is not good yeah. I mean, But I guess in this life, there's nothing that will be perfect. So I'll, I'll, I want to put in, like, more time to give context to, like, what I'm doing, where I'm from, and you know, make it a little bit more interesting because I spend a lot of time reading other people's work as well. Uh, there's a guy called uh, Chris Beckstrom. I don't know if you know him. Uh, mm-hmm. Chris com. He's a guy who is into DIY modular stuff and he has a very nice website. He's also a programmer as well. He's like an amateur programmer but he does so many interesting things with his website. But he provides a lot of information case someone wants to do DIY and modular stuff. So, uh, he really inspires me I actually even sent him an email uh, just that I think he was sick he was uh, he, he was down for a while but I sent him an email I told him you know you're one of the guys who inspired me to start what I'm doing so oh, and wow. he replied was so excited yeah we became friends he's, he's now my friend yeah so I want my website to also be yeah Chris Beckstrom I've seen a link there
3: yeah great yeah aunt, that's, aunt that's aunt, awesome.
2: be like yeah like a Place with resources, you know, people can go to who want to learn about modular or experimental music, or but especially, you know, this African side, because um, we we haven't had a lot of electronic music here that is indigenous, that's from here, you know, the music that's here that's electronic music is, uh, trance, techno, acid, and everything that's from Germany, from where, from where, you know, but. I hope that there can be like a community or a movement which starts back here that uh, creates electronic music that uh, has a resonance with uh, our culture, our traditions, our beats and rhythms and drums. Yes, so so that we're not playing the same techno that's in the US or that's in Germany.
0: Totally. Yeah, cool. Yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah. You can find photos of our finished projects over at projects.opposablepodcast.com. We have links in our show notes, and we also post cool stuff to our Instagram account, opposable underscore podcast. We'd like to send you an opposable thumb sticker. If you share a podcast episode on social media, rate us on iTunes, send smoke signals, or some other cool thing to let people know about the podcast, we will mail you an opposable thumb sticker. Just contact us on Instagram at opposable underscore podcast, or at our email address, which is opposable podcast at gmail.com. We'd like to give a shout out to Wesley Ellis, Charlene McBride, Adam Mayer, Deb Chatra, Blondie Hacks, Nick Kantar, Walter Katundu, and David Bellhorn. They're our top Patreon supporters. If you'd like to join them in the league of Patreon supporter badasses, please go to patreon.com slash opposable thumbs to sponsor us. Anything you can donate really helps keep keep the podcast going. Our podcast is dedicated to providing a harassment-free experience for everyone, regardless of race, gender, age, sexual orientation, Disability, physical appearance, body size, knowledge of subject matter, or religion, or lack thereof. We actively support an inclusive environment, and we want you to be a part of it. Okay, I, we're at the time in the podcast, Brian, where you get to give us our next challenge for our next. Oh,
1: game. Yeah, what's it gonna be?
2: <laughs> I need to make it easier for the next person. <laughs> <laughs> Soil, S O I. Yeah. Yeah,
3: that's so. That's cool. fantastic. Oh, yeah, that's there's awesome. a lot of places you can go with it. <laughs> I love yeah, it. It's yeah. great. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So
0: I'll be sending that challenge to our next guest mm-hmm. uh, just after we hang up on the oh, call.
3: Cool, cool.
0: Brian, thank you so much. This has yeah, been really, thanks
2: really, for really great the to time. Have you on the podcast that was great. <laughs> thank you, thank you. It's Something I really wanted to do. I'm, 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 I'm getting to meet people from different parts on the world of the world, which is quite. Uh, which is good. Which is um makes 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 me think, you know, think bigger than my small village or my small country. Yeah, <laughs> you know, same.
0: Oh, well,
1: that's the same for us too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. You're our first international guest, so that's
1: great. Ah, thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's awesome.
2: <laughs> thanks, thanks
1: a lot. I appreciate. It. Yeah, for sure. Sniffles in the chat.